guys go on with, if you don't know the difference between Great Britain and the United Kingdom <laughs> but then, then, but then don't argue see, about oh, it but, but it's actually the British Isles uh, ladies and gentlemen boys and girls it is that time of year once again the Open Championship is upon us the 151st edition of golf's oldest original and potentially best major championship We'll be covering all of that today on today's episode of The Bunkered Podcast in association with Callaway Golf. Hello. Thank you for your time. Michael McEwen here, as always. Very excited. I love the Open. I'm wearing a Masters hoodie because I always wear a Masters hoodie, but I love the Open Championship. It's it's pretty special. Very excited for the week ahead at Hoylake. And I'm joined by not one but two guests, ladies and gents. Oh, my word. <laughs> The anticipation amongst you must be huge, but we'll come to the newbie in a second first. The oldie, <laughs> that's fair. Sake. That's, that's a two-footed tackle straight away. Bunkered editor Bryce Ritchie, good morning. Mr. Good Ritchie. morning, how are we? Good, thank you, yes. And you, you well? I'm good, I'm good. You look well. You look, thank you. You look happy, refreshed, thank excited, you. ready for the Open. Um, I'm uh, probably a bit more excited this Friday than I was last Friday for the Open. I'm rearing to go. Is that because the just anticipation levels are organically yes. going up? Well, to be fair, yeah. that is bollocks because I did say last week that yeah. I wasn't that fussed about open build up, and I'm still not really that fussed. I just wait for Thursday. You morning. just want to get to yes, Highlight. Just so want to get going. When when you going down Monday? I believe Monday night we've got a party to go to with our uh, sponsor, esteemed podcast, sponsor. Esteemed, spo- esteemed sponsor of the Bunkered Podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to Callaway's party. On Monday night at Coldy Golf Club. Invite only. Don't think you can just turn up all of yeah. you listening. Yeah, you can't. You it's can't. not for any old pleb. There's some uh, some tour players there and it should be a bit of a laugh and we're hoping to get some of them on the podcast, Your Daily Commutes, mm-hmm. next week. So that'll be good. Are they feeding us on Monday night? Yes. Feeding Excellent. us and watering us. Oh, And entertaining us. I mean, what more could you ask for? Yeah. Great scenes. So Bryce, thank you. Great to see you as always. And I mentioned, ladies and gents, we have a very special guest. I say guest, hopefully he'll become a regular part of this show yes, going I'd forward. Rephrase that, he's not a guest. <laughs> yeah. He literally works with us. We're giving him the big build-up. People are probably now <laughs> thinking, what, Tiger's on? It's not. Well, it's 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 the Tiger of the Southwest of England. Wow. The token Englishman on the Bunker yes, podcast. token Englishman. Alex Perry, welcome. The associate editor of Bunker to give you your big billing. Welcome, Alex. How are you doing? Whatever that means. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that was that was quite an opening couple of minutes. It's it, mm. I've I've spent however long you've been doing this podcast or however long I've been listening to it, but just with it, it just in my ears, and now I'm watching it happen in front of me. That mm. was quite that was something magical, something to behold. Yeah, I'm just, to be fair, a lot of people say that it's quite weird that they listen to the podcast and then they get part of it and they think, oh. Michael Block said the same thing when I saw him at Dundonald's. Like, I've been listening to this show from day one, and now I'm on it. When so, do we do Bryce's backup date? Have we, have we got the... Right after the update on his grass. I don't want to be the reason his backup date doesn't happen. We need. I, I think that thing needs a jingle. Like, yeah. Bryce's backup date. <laughs> we can do that. We should do that. Yeah. Yeah. How is your back before we get back to Alex? I'm actually just thinking as soon as you started saying that, I started thinking about it. So stop talking about it because it makes me oh, think okay. about it. But no, it's better. 
It's better. The spinal issues are improving. Spinal but issues back, are improving. Back to you, Alex. Welcome on board. Thank you. Delighted to have you as part of not just the Bunkered podcast team, but Bunkered team. This is going to be your what open? Because you are oh, quite long me. in the tooth these days, are you not? I was thinking about this the other day. I think I've only missed the... Since I've been in the golf industry, which was middle of the 2000s, I think I've only missed the Port Rush Open, and that was because my son was born slightly before it. It's really nice. That's bad it's not, planning, it's not excuse, by the way. It? It's really bad planning. Yeah. He, I'm sure he will be fine with me telling the listeners that he was an accident. So <laughs> couldn't really decide when when that date happened uh, so i notice on the notes here you've written token englishman haha banter blah 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 <laughs> yes <laughs> what um, else do we want to know about alex well you support do you want me you're to like, do you're like uh, michael you support a rubbish football team tell us about your football team i Alex. do support a rubbish football team i support Torquay united devon born and bred went to my born first and bred to be clear not born in bred <laughs> I mean, it's wow. Devin, who knows? That, wow. And that, Alex, is the banter. <laughs> I've got my right hand on my left hand to cover up my sixth finger. Um, <laughs> that is, yes, we've just been relegated to the National League South, so we're in regional football. I live in Yorkshire, so absolutely no chance of me getting to a game next year <laughs> without a two-and-a-half-hour, three-hour drive. So yeah. I don't want to talk about football. I... Well, let's talk about beer, because you stayed at mine last night. And I took you to curry, you did. went for a drink, and Bryce... You're going to love this. Alex had his very first ever pint of Tenants Lager last night. Really? The Scottish Carling, yeah. Oh. Whoa. Wow. Oh, wait a minute. Oh, wow. The mood suddenly changed. thank you changed. for your time, Alex. We'll see you next week. <laughs> Out of 10, what did you make of Tenants, our national drink? I would... Uh, no, I'm not going to start putting numbers on it. I would drink it again. If I was in a yeah. pub and someone said, I've bought you a Tenants, or if there was Tenants there on tap, mm-hmm. I would drink it That's again. the thing about Tenants. Tenants gets a hard time because it's not advertised as a sexy, it's an IPA. Mm-hmm. It's been there for a long time. It's a lager. Lager's not that sexy. No. But I'll drink Tenants over most things. I got the feeling he didn't like it so much because we had the drink, and then as soon as the pint was done, he's like, should we just go up the road then? It's like, oh, someone doesn't like either the either that or the beer. Handle his beer. Or maybe that. Maybe it was yeah. the company. So I'm going to oh, give you. Oh, ouch! I'm going to give you thirty seconds here, Alex. Jesus, because That's a long time. We discovered last night that Alex is a big fan of cricket, and as you and I know, Bryce, are you that's, really? That's not something that we encourage in this podcast. But I'm going to give you thirty seconds to convince us why we should be paying attention to cricket and your time starts now so i was saying i was saying i was genuinely saying to michael in the pub last night i'm surprised that the two of you as huge golf fans aren't cricket fans i think there's there's quite a bit of a crossover between the sports in that you need to have a certain mental level to play and enjoy both sports you have to have a certain level of patience especially with test cricket which obviously can last five days and then nothing actually comes of it sounds great i th- I said to Michael last night... About Your time's up. <laughs> just just watch it. <laughs> I wasn't kidding when I said 30 seconds. But you sort of think it's longer than it actually yeah, is, don't you? Yeah. But no, guys, if you're if you're Scottish and you don't like cricket, just change that. It will Your life will be better with it. He explained to me what an over is last night and innings. And I've forgotten already. Yeah, it's not important. Don't I think is the it. inning the one that's through a six, six balls? An over is that's, six balls, that's yeah. Over. Right, okay. That's 
Let's cut this out. Yeah, we don't want to talk anymore about cricket. <laughs> Let's get to why we are here. The Open Championship. We're all very excited about it, quite clearly. I know I am. I'm probably somewhere between a 9 and a 10 right now and approaching 11 as the week goes on, I suspect. Bryce, come to you first. You know, general feelings, thoughts about next week. How how much have you been anticipating this? How much are you looking forward to getting to Liverpool? <laughs> Liverpool. <laughs> don't make wow. me do a Liverpool accent. No, I wouldn't say I've been... Soon as January the first hit, I started thinking about the open. I'm not like that at all. But you know, when you when we do our open preview edition, that's when you start getting excited. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were working on that in May. I'm excited about going to Hoylake. I'll be honest. There's in my lifetime, there's sort of been two editions at Hoylake. I don't really. I'm, I'm no disrespect to the golf club. I don't really remember much about the golf course, but I know that Alex can tell us a bit more about some of the changes. But there's um. Quite a few changes. I know it produces it produces quality winners. I'm gutted about Tiger not being there, but I think there's lots to be lots to really look forward to. They've got more money to play for. The whole background, everything that's going on in the in the game of golf with Lev, the court case, the court case. Let's be honest, it's fantastic, hilarious, it's brilliant. How, how wrong did I call that? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyone that said, "Oh, we we said that nothing much, nothing will happen. happen," complete nonsense. And that's Oops. what's so great about this. That when um, things like that happen, it just creates absolute chaos. And when you're a journalist, when you work in the media and you're involved in news cycles, chaos is what you want. Absolutely. It's great. It creates excitement. And I think when the golf starts on Thursday morning, that's when we'll start talking actually about the Open Championship. I'm slightly concerned the next week, Tuesday, Wednesday, when players are going in doing their pressers that they're not actually talking about the Open. Mm. But that's what it is. Happens every year, pretty much, doesn't it? Certainly last year it happened. Token, your thoughts? <laughs> Let's not make that a thing. <laughs> I am different to Bryce. I start thinking about the next Open Championship the day after the previous one finishes. Really? I just It's, it's my favourite week of the year of any sport or anything in my life. I just, I look forward to it all year. Um, and 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 yeah, yeah, obviously when you get closer, I went a bit Hugh Grant then, didn't I? Um, <laughs> just don't go full Hugh Grant because we can't cover those costs. <laughs> when we when you start getting closer, and obviously you start getting buzzing for it, I am particularly happy when they play at Hoylake or Birkdale or Lytham. As I said, I live in Yorkshire now. It's two hours from my house. It's nice to be able to finish up on a Sunday night, and I know that I'm going to be in bed sort of a normal time which is quite nice I've obviously had a lot of opens down the years where I've either had to stay into the Monday and you get into the Monday and you're just sort of sad that the open is over, over. Yeah, yeah, and also you're like a seven eight hour drive from home my first experience of the open and being at St Andrews and walking around that corner for the first time I'm sure you guys went to St Andrews when you were kids but I was an adult before I went there for the first time and just walking round onto Golf Place and seeing the RNA clubhouse in front of me, and um, it, I was incredibly hungover, so that probably played a part. But I, I remember just looking at that 18th and the first for the first time, and just tears just streaming down my face, um, and the emotion that this tournament brings for me, seeing the big blue bleachers everywhere, and, and for me, it was it's more about when I think about my my happy place with golf and with the open 
I've been to a lot of open championships. I was, you know, I was sitting behind Rory McIlroy when he was lifting the claret jug into the into the sky after he won last time at Hoylake. You know, I've seen Tiger. The, the first time I ever saw Tiger Woods play golf was at an Open. Jordan Spieth doing the the go get that. Like I was mm-hmm. there when that was all happening. But for me, it's about going back to my childhood. And we used to, I grew up in a in a small sleepy village. We we owned the the, the pub in the village, and there was this little tiny TV in the corner. Not black and white, we're not talking about that long ago, but you know, it was a, a small TV in the corner which we would all gather around. And this was when the Open was wall to wall on BBC One, BBC yeah, Two. Yeah. And just the emotions that it brings back for me for that one week where my, or four days where my dysfunctional but happy family were sort of brought together. You know, I'm sitting on my granddad's knee and he's telling me all about Nick Faldo and my original hero and and that for me is i i know that i will walk into hoylake on monday when i get there and i will see that big blue grandstand in front of me behind 18 and I'll, it will just yeah, bring yeah. it all back to me and you know i don't yeah. want to get two cats in the cradle about it but it was <laughs> but you know, i get, that's, I get that's those vibes on open sunday i totally know what you're saying I, whenever i whenever i watch somebody getting crowned the champion golfer of the year when you know they're gonna when they're walking up like 18 you know it's happening I think that's a great feeling. I, I don't know. I get emotional. I, I love it. It is the best week of the year. We talked about how we love the Masters. There is nothing like, we've said this a million times, there's nothing like Augusta. If if you can get tickets, if you can afford it through some sort of travel company to go to Augusta, you need to go. It is amazing. It's genuinely mind-blowing. If you spend six grand on it, it's £6,000 well spent because there's so many golfers that never do it. And a lot of people can't afford that, and I understand that. But if you can, it's worth it. But it's not It's not the Open. And that's the thing, when he gets a Sunday afternoon, even I wanted Rory to win last year, desperate for Rory to win, but see when Cam Smith did, I was happy for him. Because he seems like a good mm-hmm. guy. And how cool is it to watch somebody win an Open Championship at St Andrews? Yeah, that's, that's just special. mind-blowing. Even when Zach Johnson did it, as you said, Alex, in the, the weird circumstances in 15 on the Monday, you still get that buzz. Don't get me wrong. The buzz was taken off somewhat by the fact that A, it was a Monday finish and B, I'm pretty sure Zach Johnson was wearing a baseball cap with a bully hat on top of it at one point, which is just an absolutely horrific Yeah, one. they need to stop that. The golf gods rewarding him with that didn't feel appropriate in the slightest. There are there are woolly hats or beanie hats that exist that have the peak on the front. Just are there? Get, just get, yeah, mm-hmm. they exist. Oh, God, that's They're awful as well, dreadful. but I know what They you are mean. awful, but just get one of those. yeah. For me, listen, I'm, I'm not going to pretend otherwise because I think I've said it in the pod before. The Masters is still number one for me because the childhood memories you're talking about, Alex, I have those sitting around. Uh, it was a black and white TV because it was Orkney. So <laughs> it was also the TV on the islands. And I remember sitting around that and watching the Masters more vividly than I remember the Open. So Masters is still number one for me. The Open isn't far behind, but it sounds from the sounds of things that it's the Open's number one for both of you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. As presumably yep. it is for a lot of people listening. Royal Liverpool. So this is the third time since 2006 that Hoylake's hosted it. What a list of past champions that place has got, by the way. I mean, Tiger, Rory, you go back even further, it's, it's not like, say, Hagen and... Taylor... Bobby Jones won his, his second leg of his impregnable quadrilateral. <laughs> Did he really? Yes. At there At you go. For me, it feels like a bit of an underrated venue, a bit of a, 
it's not the first place that springs to mind when you think of Open Championships, even in England. I think people think of St George's and Birkdale in particular. Well, to me, it's, it. it feels like a new venue. It still feels like a new venue to me because it was so long since... Like, I can't remember the... 67. Is that 67 right? 67 until 2006. Still, it still feels like a new venue, which means it's a bit exciting. It's got a cool... If you're going there, it's got a cool town. Mm-hmm. You know, the town's quite small. It's good bars. It's really accessible. There is a good sort of vibe in that town, which I think is not at other venues. Mm-hmm. I don't think you get that at St George's. I don't think you get... We obviously don't get it in Turnbury because there's only a hotel. <laughs> obviously, St Andrews is St Andrews. So it, it, it's it's got all the plus points, at, and that's why the RNA are taking it back. We found yeah. out this week that the RNA are going to... It looks like they're going to go to venues that are going to make them money. Mm-hmm. You know, they've announced this week that they're going to... Royal Birkdale in 2026. That's it. So it means that Lytham's missed out, Muirfield. Muirfield's missed out. So there's there'll be other reasoning for that, but Muirfield doesn't especially get huge crowds, which mm-hmm. I think is quite strange. 142,000 yeah. people attended Muirfield in 13. It's a bit strange. They were forecasting for 160 to 170. And then remember after that, the RNA, when they were asked, why did nobody show up? They said, well, it's three things. It's the weather, which was glorious. <laughs> the fairways were baked yeah. golden. It's the ashes... Which, as we've discussed, isn't a thing in Scotland, Alex. And it was thirdly the Tour de France. Those were the three reasons that people didn't go to the Open in thirteen, apparently. No, so there's there's obviously reasons for it with with Lytham as well. You know, I've heard rumours that the Lytham were being asked to make some changes for stands and so on, and merchandise, and the, the irony of just not getting enough ground area mm. in order to make money. Because let's be honest, the, the golf industry is changing. The RNA are having to change with it. They're going to have to start making significant money, and that's commercial revenue that they need to bring in. And I, I'm not against that whatsoever. So if that means making some hard calls, which they've made this week, well, mm-hmm. they've not made them this week. They've just announced them this week. But I would like to see we're deviating again. But I think the RNA should be looking at new venues, and that might be Wales. New venues, yeah, yeah, something completely new. Absolutely, yeah. Okay. Not a brand new venue. I mean, I'm going to a venue that's not been used before, like Porth Call, for example. Yeah. I think they have to look at things like that. Now, they obviously do, but they don't move they haven't moved very quickly in the last few years. Mm. It appeared that Port Rush was a big that make no mistake, that was a massive call to go to Port Rush and do that. What a success. Yeah. So they've proved they can do it. They are very good at what they do. That's why they're going back in twenty five. Yeah. And I do think they have to look at a new venue because I can't understand why they haven't gone to Muirfield because Muirfield is a phenomenal golf course yeah it is. remember peter dawson saying you could turn up here any time of the year and just play for a claret jug and you would you wouldn't even ask to need to ask the green team to do anything different because yeah, it's, it's that good it's open ready all the time yeah. isn't it Alex, the, the reason sorry the reason why muirfield was is not taken off the rotor but hasn't been used seems to be this whole fallout about the members vote mm. about female members yeah but, they fixed but that's that's completely moot now because mm-hmm. They've had the women's open yeah, yeah. last year, so yeah, that's I, I, that's not an argument. Yeah, I don't think that, and I, I'm not sure that is an argument for that. And obviously, we talk about Turnbury, and Turnbury is another one. I understand that they don't want somebody like Donald Trump turning up during the open. I think if he if he turned around and said he wasn't going to go, they would go to Turnbury. But, but there's obviously too much in the background that involves the Trump name at Turnberry and I just think it's a hassle they don't want that's it because every single person knows that is one of the finest links courses mm-hmm. in Britain but 
Donald Trump appears to be quite a divisive figure for people inside the RNA, and they, and mm. they don't want to they don't want to address it so much. So <laughs> just inside it's the RNA, <laughs> yeah, they they want the focus to be on the championship. I mean, that's why they yeah. left Greg Norman out last year. So I, I, I don't think you'll be seen turned. Which I also thought was wrong. I don't think they should have done that. But anyway, I think not having the Open at Turnberry is a small price to pay for not having to deal with how Donald Trump would be if the Open was at Turnberry. And it's a it's a double one because they don't make a lot of money at Turnberry. Yeah, well, it gives them a good excuse, potentially. Not that they're looking for excuses, but if they wanted a reason not to go there, they didn't say it was money. Make her right, yeah. I know what you mean. Alex, you played Royal Liverpool recently. I have, yeah. So you've you've seen the course close up. I've I've played it twice. I think most recent was in 14. So it's obviously significantly different this year to how it was back then. New par 317, for example. Tell us a little bit about the course, how it was looking, where you think is most interesting for listeners who are maybe going, where should they go mm-hmm. to, to get the most out of that experience? Well, uh, look, we have to start at the new 17th, don't we? Mm. An incredible golf hole. When we talk about our favourite golf holes, it's really difficult not to just pick iconic par threes all the time. I read a really interesting interview with Alistair Beggs, who was the Royal Liverpool captain in fourteen. Uh, and then head of agronomy, who went to Sawgrass, and the manager at Sawgrass said, people come up to me and offer me $300, $400, $500 just to play 17. Not the rest of the golf course. Really? They offer him stupid money just to go out and play 17 and then leave. Jeez. And so he came back and he said, we've got a wonderful golf course at Hoylake, but we don't have an iconic hole. Wow. We don't have an iconic par three. So for those that don't know, I didn't actually, I'd never actually played Hoylake before the changes. So bizarrely, you played it with the old par three there and I've played it twice now with the new par three. And I bet we've never played it the way the members play it because they start on these, I can't remember. How uh, actually, well, so the first time I played it was part of a, um, I, I actually just went there as part of a, I just went there mm. and played golf. I don't know why I had to justify that. Who would do that? that? I, just, I don't know why I had to justify lads, that in lads, any way. Lads. Um, so I actually played it as the members played right, it. Okay. So for those that don't know, the third hole during the Open is actually the first hole for the members. Mm-hmm. So it's right in front of the clubhouse, sweeps around to the right with the driving range and out of bounds on the right-hand side. Internal out of bounds is a whole other discussion. And then, But actually, so they um, and the 16th green... The traditional sixteenth is the eighteenth. So okay. they, they play they play one which goes which is seventeen and eighteen traditionally is one and two in the open. So it goes away from the clubhouse, back to the clubhouse, and then third, which is the first normally, sweeps round in front of the clubhouse. So this new seventeenth is the members fifteenth, is that right? Yes. Right, yeah. Okay. But it used to be <laughs> Christ, I should have written this down. It used to be the thirteenth, so you play Oh god, we're just gonna get lost in numbers here, aren't we? <laughs> anyway, just talk about the hole. It's the fine. hole used to be the hole used to be the other way round. So the 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 T used to be raised up with the river D, is it behind you, and then you would play down into a bit of a nothingness mm. area, um, the green down there, and then you would go and play uh, those two holes there. Before then, you would play sixteen. So yeah, um, and then but now they flipped it around. So the T is down in that. What, we, what we're calling nothing this area but the green is just spectacular it's perched up right on the the bank of the the river you've got bunkers and wasteland protecting the front you've got a huge bunker down the right hand side you've got a huge uh, wasteland area that sweeps round the back which i ended up in and got up and down from just thought I'd 
Mm-hmm. Stick that in. Check you. The undulations on the green are just like nothing I've ever seen before on a green. You're standing on it and you're just thinking, if I didn't have a caddy, I would have read that green wrong. Do so you think that would go down well it. with players or piss them off? <laughs> I think, <laughs> well, it's an incredibly short hole. It's, I think it play, it will play 1-3 something in the 1-3-4 yeah. or something in the open. So, you know, uh, you're looking at good iron players who will just find that green. Because if you miss it, you're just, you're just, you know, unless you're me, you're just not making par <laughs> from those from those bunkers. Mm-hmm. It's just such a hard thing to do. That's going to be an interesting one to look at for sure. The course itself, Bryce, talk to me about strategy. You've seen a lot of players at the Scottish Open this week have been making some subtle alterations to their bag. Two irons going in. I saw Rory McIlroy in the range at the Renaissance working with a a two-iron big graphite shaft. Spent a long time dialing that in. Yeah, what are you expecting to see strategy-wise from players? I think it goes to show how how good they are that they make those changes. Whether they're that significant the week before a major. No, I used to find it hilarious when we used to go to Scottish Open at Loch Lomond and you know you had some players saying they didn't want to come and play. <laughs> you know, didn't want to play on a Lynx course before the Open because it just messed up your game and... Yeah, you messed up their swing. And then they went to Loch Lomond and played, you know, American resort-style parkland golf, you know, high-floating ball flights and spinning it back. And that that's not the kind of game you want. These guys, I think, are so good now. Not that they weren't that back then. But I, I remember thinking back then, thinking, that is a lot of rubbish. You know, these guys can play anywhere. If you can, if you can play, if you can play high-floating American-style resort parkland golf and then go and play a Lynx course and you can't, you can't move into that style of golf. You're not good enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I, I, but that even though I'm still quite surprised that Rory's putting new clubs in the bag because you do need a bit of time to to get them ingrained into your swing, like how they're going to react and so on. Because these guys hit when they're hitting these shots, they know exactly what they're getting off that club. Mm-hmm. Little bit surprised that he's putting a new club in the bag, but. Yeah, so not, he was absolutely flushing it. Yeah, yeah. He was very happy. There was a lot of club twirls. Uh-huh. <laughs> a <laughs> lot of club twirls, club man. Uh, so yeah, he won't be the only one doing that. And the one thing is that I, I do think that driver at next week, it's not really going to matter. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a really fast running golf course. It looks like an open of the 80s. We said that mm. last week. It looks like... Peter Dawson would just be, oh, yes. He'd be loving it. <laughs> it's meant to look like that. That's what Troon looked like back yep. in the day. It's what Sandwich looked like back in the day. That's what an open... Uh, do you know what? that? It looks like an English open. That's what I remember English opens looking mm-hmm. like. Yep. So I think that's great. In terms of strategy, I, I'm, I'm, I'm with Alex. I think you'll, you'll find out what these guys do when you turn up next week. Mm-hmm. Uh, really be interesting to see what happens. We'll come to players and runners and riders in the second part of the show, but broadly, I'm going to throw this one to to our, our newbie because he is English. Alex, it cannot have escaped your attention that there hasn't been an English winner of the Open Championship in England in your lifetime. In fact, there's not been one in Bryce's lifetime, <laughs> which demonstrates just how far back we're going. He's not that, that much older than us. Goodness. Come on. Tony Jacklin, 1969. The last time that uh, an Englishman won the Open in England. There's an awful lot of candidates this year. As I say, we'll touch on some of them in the second part of the show. But why? Why has it been so long? I mean, if I knew the answer to that, it is, it is the elephant in the room. And I don't think... Look, <laughs> I think I can probably throw it back and say, actually, Britain hasn't had an Open champion since 1999, which is 
far too long far too long if we spread it to the United Kingdom obviously Rory McIlroy comes into the equation we'll cover I could see the GM so, starting yeah, I know no, thanks for doing that that Alex. argument is just uh, oh wait a minute guys go on with if you don't know the difference between Great Britain and the United Kingdom <laughs> but then, then, but then don't argue say, about oh, it but, but it's actually the British Isles you know, oh, oh, why, is it, why is it called why does the British Open go to Northern Ireland oh guys come on it's the, it's the worst so I wrote about this in the magazine now for context, the last time there was an English winner in England, the Beatles had just had their 17th number one. Care to guess the song? 17th and, sorry, 17th and final number one. I hate the Beatles, so I have no idea. Wow. I grew up in a Rolling Stones house. You can't be both. Rolling Stones? Mm-hmm. Really? Wow. Well, it must be something later in the career, obviously. So It was their final number one. It was the ballad... Of John and Yoko. Right, okay. Bish. Which we all remember well. Don Revy's Leeds were the champions of England for the first time. And what else do we have? Oh, and England were still in... <laughs> England were world champions. <laughs> Football. Back then. 30, what year was it? 19, 31 minutes it's taken them. 19... What year was it? That they won the World Cup? No. 66. What year was it the last oh, time? 69. 69. You were still world champions. Bastards. We were still world. Well, actually, Although, we were an official world champion because yeah, we, we beat, beat in '67. Right, but anyway, I don't know. It's 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 been a really strange run. I think it says everything you need to know that the run has been so bad that the closest an Englishman has come to winning the Open since Faldo in '92 was Faldo himself in '93. Really, that's how bad it is. Jeez. I mean, when you look at when you look at runners up in in recent years, Porter. Uh, was Fleetwood runner up a couple of years, few years ago? They were just, they Westwood. were just, yeah, they were just, they weren't really contending. Yeah, Felt- I, do, I, I do think, yeah, I agree. I do think the the reason though that English winners haven't done it in England is that the rise of international golf has happened in that time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, there weren't there weren't all these guys, maybe from Australia, but there weren't all these guys from Spain and Germany and Sweden and you know and from Asia. That were doing that well. I'm not saying these guys were winning the Open, but they they throw their name into the hat and they create competition. You know, but and it's you think how some how good some of those guys were, like Alathabal and Langer were, mm, yeah. you know, incredible players, won Masters, but never won an Open. So that goes to show how hard it it got for English players. I know you're talking about close shaves, Woozy. Remember, Woozy had a close shave right at the beginning of the. The final round, wasn't it, when that happened? But he was absolutely... Was that uh, the club incident yeah, that was him? Yeah, that 2000... When was 2001. that? 2001. 2001. So if you if you had, that hadn't happened, I mean, he was playing phenomenal golf and it just it just destroyed him. But he's Welsh and I get all that. But the Westwood thing, that was 2000 and... I'm trying to think of British things, but Welsh... 2009. Westwood, 2009. That was a blow-up. I'm sorry. That, that, he... Made a mess of that. You're resisting using the C word. Um, but it was. <laughs> the C H word before that, anyone that, that was <laughs> gets in touch. And then you think, was another British guy like Casey? When was that? Oh, 2010. Yeah, good point. Ended up in a gorse bush. He was on a good run. Yep. Poulter, you're right. It was that Burkdale 2008. Eight. He yep. came from behind. He went like five birdies in a row or something. But He backed the door to second place, didn't he? Yeah. Yep. Alex makes a good point. British players in that time have not particularly done that well. Laurie is the last British player to win an Open, 1999. When you think of all the good British players since then, 
it's actually stunning mm -hmm. I agree. that we've not we've I not mean, produced another. Two one. of them have been world number one. Yeah, for starters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very good point. I'm not going to ask you for a prediction on whether or not that will change this coming week. We'll come to that in, in part two. A couple other things before we get to the break, though. Undoubtedly, this is a big week for the RNA. It is their flagship championship. Clearly, it means a lot to them. But on Wednesday, as he typically does, Martin Slumbers will sit before the press. He'll field a lot of questions. Last year, it was all about Liv. I thought he handled it reasonably well. But he'll face a few more questions about that. Certainly, the tour ceasefire. He, I'm sure he'll be quizzed on the, the rollback proposal that they've got, or bifurcation proposal, whatever you want to call it. Bryce, what are you expecting to be the big, big takeaway from Martin Slumber's press on I, I expect him to be asked about heavy, heavy Saudi investment at the top end of golf because it, it does affect the game that he administers jointly with the USGA. I do expect that will be top of the agenda. The rollback, I'm not sure we'll get anything concrete. I don't think he's going to be, he's savvy enough, Slumber's, he's not going to say anything that shocks people during Open Championship Week. One thing they want is to talk about the championship. That's why they didn't invite Greg Norman last year, which I think was wrong. He's a past champion. I think that's just... I think they could have taken Greg Norman aside and said, could you do us a favour as a past champion to show a bit of respect to the tournament? And I'm sure I'm Norman sure would have done that. Not inviting them made yeah. it a bigger story. Yes, I totally agree. I didn't think that was a good move by Martin Slumbers. But I think this year he he's, he's very good. He's very, very good at not answering a question the way the press want him to. And I think he'll do that again this week. He's an exceptionally clever guy, and I think he'll do the same. Alex, Bryce touched on it there, the Saudi investment in golf, which isn't exactly insignificant. It's also not exclusive to golf. It's happening in other sports, but mm -hmm. golf seems to have been almost the, the test case for if we spend a lot of money, will we get the best players? It's not gone unnoticed that the Open's going to be playing for a record prize fund next week, $16.5 million. Still less than the still other the three. Fourth. Yeah, yep, still yep. the fourth. But relative even to the majors, that it's, it's not an insignificant amount, but relative to the other three, it's small. Relative to Saudi money, it looks really small. Is there a worry that majors, but particularly the Open, if it doesn't start spending more money, is going to lose a little bit of luster given how much money players seem to want to play for these days, if they don't keep up that as? I was shaking my head halfway through that question. You player, knew what was coming. We've, we've had enough players come out and say that they play, the, the the majors is what they want to win. It's not about the money. Though I I argued, I remember arguing with a friend in a pub years ago that the, that the majors should just have no prize money. They should be the four tournaments of the year where they don't play for prize money. Really? They, they just play for the prestige of being a major champion. And obviously I was being a bit silly with that, but my point was- They would is turn that, up that they would turn up. Yeah. If you if, if if Slumbers and the RNA came out and said, right, there's no prize money at the Open, they would show up still at Hoylake next week and they would still want to win it. They'd still want to have their name on the Claret Jug. Everyone that this, and, and this is another reason why the Open is my number one and the reason why, if I was a golfer, it is the number one tournament I would want to win. Everyone who matters in golf history has their name on that Claret Jug. I mean, Morris, Taylor, Bray, I'm going to, David Brent here sessions <laughs> yeah and then you get into Winner, Hogan Thompson Hagen. Jack Gary Tom Sevy <laughs> Woods Perry <It's> player 
everyone who my point is that everyone who matters in golf history has their name on that claret jug they would show up and try to compete to to have their name and obviously you've got that stupid thing where gary player's name is about 400 oh, times bigger than everyone else's but i mean just gary but yeah look bryce is right the uh slumbers will deflect that question in the best way that he knows how but he's not shy to making a headline last year he came out and he said live guys are welcome at the open mm. Although Greg Norman wasn't, that was, yes, which made that made that decision even more confusing. But the, what happens is he's now got to. It looks like they might have to change. I think they'll have to look at their qualification criteria. If if we're welcoming Liv in, they're gonna if Liv guys are not playing PG Tour or something like that, they're gonna have to have some sort of system that brings them in. Mm-hmm. Well, presumably uh, that would be Liv guys returning to the world rankings and then that's how they yeah. would qualify for the major because the open is the open is meant to be the most accessible golf tournament for every player in the world so if they're having spots for three guys on obscure asian tour events how could they possibly ignore this very expensive golf tour that's now being legitimized by the biggest tour in the world the pga tour so they're going to have to address that mm-hmm. also how much is the players championship what's the total purse of the open this week the Six, next week 16 and a half million 16 and a half million i mean it's it's dwarfed by the players championship and we'll probably find out the players championship next year will be worth even more mm. so but i think we've accepted the fact that the game's got a bit weird do you agree with Alex that players would show up for the Open if there was no money? 100% they would. If you if you said to Rory and Tiger, we're playing an Open at Lytham in 2028 and it's there's no money, you, they would be there. Coming to Tiger in a second, but whilst we're on Liv-ish, there's a few, obviously, Liv players that aren't playing. You know, Sergio Garcia tried to qualify, narrowly missed out. Lee Westwood, Ian Poulter, they won't be there. I mean, there's a lot of streaks ending. Bryce, how do you feel about the fact that these guys aren't going to be there? Is that is that going to diminish the championship in any way, no, or is it just a natural progression? No, I, with the greatest of respect, they, they've they've been replaced, and they know that. You know, Westwood's pretty much admitted he's been the most refreshingly honest guy when it's come to live. He said, "Look, I'm I'm at that stage in my career where somebody's given me effectively, I'm paraphrasing, a load of money to go and have a blast, and he's taken it. He knows his time's effectively coming on, mm-hmm. and I I get that." He's able to play senior tour golf. So I don't, uh, there's a new. But not the senior open. Yeah. I know, I know, I know. know. We won't go there. But there's a new generation of talent, and we need to stop obsessing and being a bit parochial about British golfers because it's more than that. Look at, like, you look at the Jack Leglise trophy that these events that have been won by the continent of Europe since the beginning of that, Mm. that tournament. Britain have never won it. So the, in the continent of Europe, golf is growing. The talent is huge. I'm not saying it's a conveyor belt, but there's more out there. So I don't think we need to look at, you know, Poulter and Westwood as some great loss. I'm not saying they're not a huge loss, but the game has moved on and they are at the wrong end of the era. What about Tiger, Alex? Is he a loss to the championship this year? Well, there is a Tiger there. Ah, yes. Tiger Christensen, the amateur who qualified. But Good point. <sighs> It, it's always going to be a blow when Tiger Woods doesn't show up at your golf tournament. People, he he he's a huge draw. People want to go and watch him, but people, in the same way, they're not going to show up at Muirfield to go and watch Tour de France or the Ashes. 
people are not people aren't going to get a ticket for the open get through the ballot go through all that spend all their money and then go oh tiger's not playing no i'm not i'm not going there it just just doesn't happen and it's the same with sergio westwood Mm. porter like they are you will have people going out and you're going oh i want to go and see how sergio's getting on i want to go and see how westwood's getting on but you Mm. you'll have that with other players Players will flock to see Spieth, Thomas, Fowler, McElroy. I'm doing it again. <laughs> McElroy. They, those are the players they've that people the, will go to find. they proved that this year. It's a sellout. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, pre- exactly. people knew that Tiger wasn't playing. The difference would be, it would be a, a bigger loss for media and TV people and so on if he was playing and he was competitive. But yeah. he isn't competitive. And and you can we could talk about the future of the guy's career and so on but it does look as though he's not he's not gonna is he gonna win again probably not do you think that yeah i don't think he's gonna win again i've said this before i said at the beginning of the year if he's gonna win again it sounds ridiculous it'll probably be a masters yeah <laughs> yeah he'll, he'll just pile his entire recovery into that week i don't see him coming back and being competitive he's not played enough golf what is it he's played four out of 12 the last mm. majors that's and not completed many of them. No, that's not great. Yeah, we drew from. It's just not. He's not in a position to be a competitive player at an open. So, in terms of that, the the excitement that the media would generate isn't there mm-hmm. if he played because he's not competitive. However, he does bring eyeballs, and I do think we have to prepare, which we're already doing right now, but we're not aware that we're doing it. Is that we're preparing for future of golf without tiger i remember watching him at the masters in april uh, as in live and i was just thinking i don't want to see you like this like yeah. he was we watched him i remember watching him off the first and going down that huge dip and he was just struggling to walk mm. and i was just thinking why would anyone want to witness you in this state and that's I, I sort of feel the same about the open i don't i wouldn't want to go pay loads of money go to the open yeah. and watch tiger woods hobble round to a I, you know, missing memories yeah. of him yeah. exactly, i thought yeah. when he was walking up the 18th Andrews, i thought it was a tough watch yeah he didn't look very comfortable did the guy look happy no did he look as though he was getting the adoration from the crowd that he wanted I don't think so. I think people were pitying him at times. Yeah. And I think there's more to come from Tiger, but it'll, I suspect it could be a big a big goodbye. I don't know. But I don't see him playing. If he's not played now, he's not played for so long, I don't see him playing that much golf coming forward. And he's already said that, but it's, it's sad. It saddens me because we are witnessing right now the beginning of the end. So yes or no, has he played his last Open, Bryce? <sighs> Quite possibly, yeah. Alex? No, I think he'll come. Like, the, I don't think he'll be able to resist coming back. Uh, say, uh, if if say St Andrews is back in th- in twenty thirty, as we're expecting. Yeah, wh- why is he out? Why is he out again? He's had more surgery. Was it after yeah. the? He had an ankle fusion. Ankle fusion. I mean, it's it's another fusion by definition that makes it harder for him to do the you, thing that he's very very good at. I mean, the thing yeah. is, when, when he comes back, he's not competitive. Yeah. So what, my point is, what is the point? Mm-hmm. I don't want to see that. It, do you know what it reminds me of? It sounds awful. But it reminds me of Seve. So the end of Seve's career, didn't want to see him playing golf. I, 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 I love Seve. I just love the guy. And, and my dad loves Seve. And I remember watching Seve play and my dad saying, I wish he would just stop. I don't yep. want to watch that. And that's what's going to happen with Tiger. It sounds terrible. He cannot do 
what the rest of the guy he can't do what John Ram's doing mm -hmm. he cannot play the type of consistent golf that Scotty Scheffler's playing and he can't hit the shots that Rory's playing consistently for four days he cannot do that I don't want to see that type of Tiger Woods I do agree with you I think if the if the Open goes to St Andrews and that's in his mind as that's where I'll say my farewell I mean God almighty he could have done it last year and that would have saved us all a lot of hassle <laughs> But, and it would have been perfect, 150th, blah, blah, blah. I've made my feelings on that perfectly clear. But if he's waiting for a St Andrews Open, well, the next possible opportunity would be 27. Even then, there's doubt about whether or not it will go there in 27 because well, Muirfield is back in the equation and back in the conversation. The earliest a St Andrews Open could happen, Tiger Woods will be 51 years old. So it's still four years away. I just... I'm leaning more towards you, Bryce. I think he's maybe played his last Open Championship because with the greatest of respect to Troon, Portrush and Birkdale, why would he come back at any of those for a farewell? It's not got the grandstand chill. But th this is the man who still says when he goes, you know, at the before the Masters this year, he was saying, I wouldn't tee up in this tournament if I, if I, if win, I, if I couldn't win I, it. And, I, and we're all, we are, there's no way. No but yeah, but you and me and you are watching that and we're going... Shut up, Tiger! Like there's no <laughs> like you are the greatest athlete who ever walked this earth, and we are sitting here going, "You are talking nonsense." No, we saw at the Genesis, he can't walk down a hill. Absolutely, he cannot yeah. walk down a hill. I'm sorry, the guys, the guy is finished in that sense, and, not, and I it's think not getting he is, any better. No, he's not getting any better. He's getting more surgeries when he's doing less on the golf course. Yeah, and I point. just think he is staring at a bleak future. I will be stunned if he comes back before the end of the year. I'll be stunned if he comes back for the Masters. But if he does come back for the Masters, he'll most likely miss the cut. But you never... The, the problem is we are all speculating. Yeah. We actually don't know how bad his injury is. His injury couldn't be that bad. He could be healing really well. And he might well be, for the first time in a long time, being actually really sensible and genuinely taking eight months out. Mm-hmm. And getting really, really healthy, so he could come back. He's waited till forty-seven and forty to be sensible to listen to doctors. Hey, but he could come back next year and play seven events. Yeah, you know what he could. Yeah, quite possibly. Right, we, we we must go to the break in a couple of minutes because first, Alex, this is your first time seeing this magical word on the notes quiz exclamation <laughs> mark. Usually throw this to Bryce, and at this point, he says something along the lines of. Anyway, it's for both of you. And I'm going to tilt my screen away. So really important questions. Yeah, well. It's like one, it's, movies. <laughs> yeah, I'm in a Turkish it's, prison. It's, it's one question. So I'm going to test. You You both say the Open is number one for you. I'm going to test your knowledge. Oh, God. We, never, we just said we liked it. We didn't yeah. say we didn't know anything about it. Didn't study okay. it. I mean, you, it's, it's your, it's your business. In That's question one. Right, okay. No. I'm going to ask you to take a turnabout, Alex, because you're new, you go first, then Bryce, then Alex, and Bryce, and so on. You're going backwards with Open Champions. So 2022, 2021, blah, blah, blah. So Alex, oh, you go oh. first and it's turnabout. I'll start you off. Who won the Open in 2022? Cameron Smith. Bryce. Morikawa. There was nothing in 20 before we go any further. So Shane Correct. 2018. Um, Molinari. Which one? <laughs> yeah, that's, <laughs> that's fine. Alex. Uh, Mr. Jordan Alexander Spieth. Ooh. 2016. Where was 2016? That was. 
Was that Lytham? No. Where was 16? Royal Troon. That was Henrik Stenson. Correct. Yes. Alex, I've given you your one and only clue here. You each get, actually, no, you each get two, two clues. clues. On Mulligan. Yeah. Mulligan. Yeah, Mulligan. Yes. A Mulligan and a breakfast ball. Bryce, you've used one. <laughs> so we're at 2015, Alex. Uh, ZJ. Correct. Bryce. 13. No. 14. 14. Uh, that's uh, McElroy. Correct. Alex. Uh, 13. Muirfield Mickelson. Correct. 12. Ernie Els. Correct. Uh, Darren Clark. That is correct. Oh, God. I'm on Zach Johnson. <coughs> Can I do it? Yes. Louis Oosthuizen. Correct. Oh, 2010. 2009. Uh, I don't want to say this one. Why do oh, I, get, why do I no, get 2009? Neil Luck. Stuart Sink. Yeah. <laughs> Bryce, 2008. I, I was thinking, see, that's the thing, I was thinking Tom Watson, but it's just, it breaks your heart, doesn't it? Yeah. 2008. It's funny, on Wikipedia, there's a couple of little symbols next to Stuart Sink's name, and I know it means something like <laughs> he won in a playoff, but in my mind, that little cross it means... absolute bastard. That's the one. <laughs> Everyone hates you. <laughs> Sorry, Stu. 2008, Bryce. Uh, Harrington. Yes. Alex. Harrington as well. Correct. 2006 was Tiger. Correct. Tiger as well. Correct. Back to back to back to back. 2004 was Asterix Absolute Bastard. <laughs> Todd Hamilton. Yes. So three must have been Curtis then. It that was. was the bit I was nervous about, which way round those two were. Yeah. You're going well, gents. I'm surprised right. here. Bryce, 2002. Els. Uh, Alex, 2001. Was that David DeVal's year? Yes, <laughs> it was. Well played. Tiger. Yes. Laurie, Laurie. In yeah. 99, Sorry, yeah. that was Laurie, yeah. Omera? Yes, Bryce, well done. I'm not sure if I've got 97 in the locker. You can use one of your breakfast balls or mulligans if you wish. Can I phone a friend? I'll give you the. I'll give you one of your No, clues. no, 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 no. Just give me 10 seconds. There was a... David Duval. So, players like David Duval, Curtis, Lehman. Lehman? Justin Leonard? Yes! <laughs> Oh, pulled that one out. I wasn't thinking about 96. Who won in 96? Tom Lehman? Yes, yes. well done. So we're at 95. That was uh, the wild thing. Mr. Daly, correct. 94 was Nick Price. Brilliant, well done. 93. 93 was Mr. Norman. Mm -hmm. 92 was Faldo. Correct. 1991, Alex. That means 91 was... Baker Finch. Yeah, it was. That's good. I don't think Whoa. I got that. 1990. 90 was Faldo again, wasn't it? Yep. 89. I want to see if we can get back to 67. It's not going to happen. I'm already, I'm already lost now. 1989. Uh, I, well, I think I was there. I'm going to asterisk this with the fact that I only know it because I wrote a feature on him a couple of years ago, but it was Calc. That is right, Mark yeah, Calcavec. I, I, would, I would not have got there. that otherwise. Bryce went there with his... side of the fairway. It was his 21st birthday celebration. <laughs> <Shut>. <laughs> <laughs> so Bryce, we're in 88 for you. 88. Where was that? 1988. Oh. I'm out of out of mulligans as well. You are out of mulligans. I haven't got it either. 
Can't even throw it over. Nope. Can't even throw it over, I'm afraid. 1988 Open Champion. Oh, I've got it. I've got it. Shit. I don't have it. He's been mentioned. Just pull a name out. Is it, it's not Norman, is it? It's not. Severiano Bastos. It's not Sevi, is that Lytham? It is Lytham. Oh, no. We did well. We got back to 88. So, not bad at all. Well, 89, because you got 88 wrong. Decent going, though, gents. I should have got Sevi. I've got 87 as well. I will do. In fact, go. I've got 85, Lyle. Do you, do you have 86? Was that Sevi as well? No, it wasn't. It was Mr. Norman. Do you know who won the Open the year that you were born? Alex. Year I was born. Watson. Which year were you born? 82? 82. Correct, Tom Watson. Bryce? I don't actually know. Is it young Tom Morris? <laughs> <laughs> Fuck off. What year were you born? <laughs> Who was 77? Take a guess. Think about, uh, think about it. Think about it's what? It's a very, very, very famous, famous open. open. With a, um, a battle of the daylight. Oh, 77. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's... Uh, God, I never actually knew that. It's a jewel in the sun, isn't that it? That is, right. Did yeah. not know that. I'm not aware of that. So both of you had Tom Watson. I had clearly better than that. I'd say that's an average. Anyway, that is it from us for part one. Stick with us. We'll be going through some of the players to watch at Royal Liverpool in part two. Do not go anywhere. All golfers can agree, hitting it far feels great. But does it feel great? A first in forging has created irons that have never felt better. Paradigm was precisely constructed with the first ever AI-designed forged 455 face cup and an all-new speed frame to enhance speed and feel, earning 15 out of 15 stars from the Golf Digest hot list. This is the new Paradigm in performance from Callaway. Welcome back. Part two of today's Bunkered podcast, our Open Championship preview podcast in association with Callaway Golf, Michael Bryce and Alex Perry here with you. Gents, we spoke a lot about the championship in the first part. Let's talk a little bit about the contenders for the championship in this part, if you don't mind. I want to get straight into it and let's start with Rory McIlroy. Bryce, Rory, last was me first, isn't it? Well, you're such a big Rory fan. Well, I was about to say, I'm going to turn this round oh, and no. ask... You. No, 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 Rory, Rory. Oh, you much, love Rory. It's much more comfy in the seat where you're of asking questions. Of course it is, but I've done a lot of talking in this podcast, yeah. so let's turn it around. Where's Rory at? What's going to happen, Michael? You're a big Rory fan. Mm -hmm. So, coming into the current week that we're in, so which is Scottish Open week, I had no idea where Rory was. Absolutely not a clue. If he was firing on all cylinders, firing on some or firing on none, he was just being his usual enigmatic self. But having spent a bit of time on Tuesday watching him on the range at the Scottish Open, he looked then, and from what we've seen in the tournament so far, like he's in a very, very good spot. I liked what I saw of him in terms of dialing in his numbers. He was joking around with Adrian Wrightvelt from TaylorMade, the guy fitting him on, on the tour. Michael Bannon was there. Harry was obviously there. There was a big group of people standing at the back of the range watching him as well. He was engaging with them whilst he was practicing. It was late in the day as well. I mean, it was like five o'clock at night and he was still out there shelling balls. And he seemed totally at peace and at one with the world. 
which you don't often get to say about Rory. Yes, he's always been, had a bit of a bounce in his stride, but you never really get the sense of, well, what kind of mood is he really in? And I thought earlier this week he looked in the, just in an absolutely great spot. Also no hat, which was a bit bizarre. You know, the, the bouffant hairdo that we thought had been consigned to the Seve <laughs> yeah. trophy of the, the middle 2000s was back. Do you think that aged him a few years as well, didn't it? Taking a little the bit, yeah. yeah, a little bit. But yeah, to answer your question, I think Rory's in a really good spot at the moment. I think he feels good about his game. I, it was interesting that he didn't do any formal media, like any press conference, because it seems like he's starting to manage all of the peripheral noise a little bit better. Some of it, and then he says things yesterday which you think you yeah, said yeah. you weren't going to say anything about Liv, and now <laughs> you said you would never play on it, you would retire if yeah. you had to play Liv. Yeah, but I mean... But he's asked. He's asked the question and he's answering it and he's being honest, which he's always been. Yeah, I think the, that's why we like the, the difference that I've seen in Rory is that he's just managing the environment that he puts himself in a little bit better. So, look, he's down to do a presser next week on, on Tuesday, I think it is. I am excited about Rory's prospects. I will resist those saying that I think he's got an absolutely phenomenal chance of winning and that he's the favourite because I'm not sure that he is. Too many favourites for me too when it many. comes to an open. Mm. There's too many guys that have all got a chance. There isn't one player that is way out in front. Mm. I think that's and I see that as a good thing. It was different when it was Tiger in those days when Tiger turned up and he won so many. Plus, there's luck of the draw at the open, which I know is an old cliche. And it's like, oh well, you can get but the wrong side of the draw, it, but it does matter. It does kind of exist, yeah. You um, saw that with Rory in 2010. Had he been on the opposite side of the draw. He would have won the Open in 2010. Uh, I'm certain yeah, of it. Yeah. But yeah, you know, I, I like his I, mood. I, also I like his at, attitude. Yeah, but I also look at Wyndham Clark beating him at the US Open, and it's like with respect, it's Wyndham Clark, Rory, that hasn't demonstrated to me yet that he's got that grind and drive that we think's been missing from his game for a while. That was maybe it. he'll he, do he it. Just this had, week. He just, I said this earlier in the season that he, he, to me, Rory, when he's good, he's exceptionally good, and everybody knows that. I just, when was the last time you saw him really go on a charge mm. and go and win? That's the thing. He went on the charge at the Masters, what was it, last year? But it didn't really count for anything. Yeah. He had a great moment and so on. But to me, Rory lacks a charge in the heat of the moment. And he just couldn't buy a putt at that US mm. Open. He just could not buy a putt. And it was the same story at the Open last year. But that doesn't mean he couldn't I, buy a putt. Yeah, I'm not saying he failed. I don't, I don't there's any. It, error on his part a lot of people couldn't buy a putt but that's the consequence of it. It, 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 it it the level of golf now that you need to play to win a major is i'm not saying it's flawless but it's pretty close mm, to that yeah you looked at Wyndham clark didn't make a lot of mistakes did everything he had to do rory just didn't quite and that won't get it done anymore exact almost exactly the same as St andrews last year he was amazing rory but he wasn't quite as good as Cameron Smith. Mm -hmm. Do you think being the defending Royal Liverpool Open champion, for want of a better phrase, helps or hinders him? I don't think it means much because, as you say, the course is so different. You know, it's yeah, he was the last player to win there, but that was nine years ago. Mm. A lot's happened in nine years, albeit in a major sense for Rory. He's only won once in a major since then, which was the following month. So I... I, I, I think too much has gone on. I think the one where he was really the defending champion was 2016 at Troon, because remember, he missed 15 with his football injury. So it's funny, he's not really had a proper open defence yet, has he? So in that sense, but also in the going back to Hoylake sense, 
I don't think it'll matter a huge amount. I don't think it benefits or hinders him. Yeah, too much has gone on in the game since then, especially with Rory. But I think he'll be, he looks very, very confident. He's looks in a great headspace. There's not too much negativity mm. around. There's Everyone seems to be positive about it. But there's some other guys we need to talk about as well. Well, Scotty Shepler, world number one. It feels to me sometimes like he's a bit of an afterthought. I don't know if that's fair or if it's just me, Alex, but Scheffler, for a world number one, for a guy who, tee to green certainly this year, is infinitely better than anybody else in the tour, kind of feels like he flies under the radar a little bit. Scheffler's a strange one, isn't he? Because he hasn't, he's undoubtedly in the last two years or whenever he burst onto the scene, has been the best golfer on the planet. But he doesn't have that best golfer on the planet mm. I don't want to say star factor that doesn't feel like the right phrase but he vibe. does yeah he does yeah vibe there you go he doesn't have that best yeah. golfer on the planet vibe about him that McElroy brings that Tiger Woods brought before that, him that and, John Ram has yeah, I think sometimes and John Ram does yeah. have that star quality he has something he has something about him doesn't he X factor or whatever X factor is a, a, an, another good way of putting it yeah let's find more ways of describing that describing Scheffler (laughs) describe Scheffler in three words but I mean if you look at Scheffler that's a good one though do do that describe Scotty Scheffler in three words world number one (laughs) (laughs) that's decent to be fair you don't have to spend too long on social media before you start seeing that stat rolled out about Scheffler where he's number one for every single possible stat there is and then you get to putting and he's like 125th mm. or something like that. Will that play a part in the Open Championship? I mean, Hoylake in particular, the Open Championship and Hoylake in particular is a, it's a flushes golf course. You look at the top five I did write it down you look at the top five from the last time Rory, Ricky, Sergio, Furyk, Adam Scott all flushes you look at 06 Woods, Els, Furyk, Sergio were all in the top five all incredible iron players mm. so for me just for that reason alone Scheffler and the fact that he is world number one and the best golfer on the planet in my opinion he is in the conversation for that very reason. Mm-hmm. Bryce, can Scotty Scheffler win the Open, being the almost dead last in putting stats in the PGA Tour? Of course he can, absolutely. He's world number one. You don't get to that if you can't putt. His putting stats are a bit of a strange thing because he, he he's so consistently good. Um, And a lot of, you know, the, the, the people that can talk about putting stats more than me or, or will know a lot more about it than me will tell you that yeah, it's important. It's not the be-all and end-all. One stat is not the be-all and end-all. It's the combination of what you bring to the to It's the like strokes gained total, basically, yeah. is the most important thing, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, potentially. A lot of them say, actually, strokes gained approach to green is the most Im- important stat. He's seventh in that. Probably. Yeah. He, he's, the best players always hover around those numbers. I don't think putting is hugely influential because you can have good putting stats and be poor elsewhere and it means nothing. But stats, you can always pick apart stats. But I think you're taking your life in your hands if you're picking apart stats with Scheffler and saying he's not got a chance because he can't putt. His putting is not as good as his peers, but that doesn't mean he's not going to He's not gonna be up there. How many times you turned on a, a PGA Tour event and Scheffler's name's on the leaderboard, whether it's sixth or second or whatever? Mm-hmm. A- absolutely frightening. The guy's consistency is unreal and he is a ball a ball striker the one thing about Scheffler I've not seen him do not seen him manoeuvre his way around the golf course mm, before yeah. without a driver in his hand that will be interesting but he's he's 
the boy's a talented player. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure he'll figure it out. Eighth and twenty-first in his last two opens. Has is it? He hasn't had a. He hasn't finished outside the top twelve this year. That's that right. It? Yeah. Two wins included in that time. Just put his name on the jug now. <laughs> oh, interesting. Bold. Interesting. Bryce John Ram. We're talking about Sheffield being a kind of under the radar guy. Where has John Ram gone? I tell you where John Ram's gone. Do you know this? John Ram is leads the FedEx Cup points. <laughs> No, the one they all question. want to win. Exactly. Do you know what <laughs> what you need to do to win the FedEx Cup points? Because I certainly don't. But Ram is a really strange one. Ram, I don't think he's been that bad. But look at his results. It's, it's not too bad. Mm-hmm. He missed the cut, was it last week at the Travellers? You take the Masters win out of his year. How does his year look? Well, not. I wouldn't say bad, but it's not been what we thought it was going to be. But how many times have we said this? We've said this before. Scheffler won the Masters and then didn't win. That happens. He got very hot leading up to that Masters and then won. Mm-hmm. And everyone went insane. Then he went very quiet. And that appears to be what's happened with, with Ram. I think he'll like the look of a fast-running Lynx course. He's that type of player. He knows how to control his ball flight. He's very, very powerful. I do think someone that is a really strong ball striker and can hit the ball a long way with their irons have a better chance at this golf course over someone who doesn't hit it as far. I know a links course sometimes they say is a leveller. I won't say that's the case this year because I think that'll be fast. You'll need to be able to control your ball. He's won the Irish Open as well. Yeah. Good point. Only one other Spaniard, of course, has ever won the Open Championship and we all know who he is. Well, unless it's 1988. (laughs) Two of us know who he was. And you just said you love him. (laughs) We'll edit that bit out. We might. (laughs) You won't. Does does the fact that Rom isn't playing this week matter? But the Scottish. The Scottish, sorry. I'll tell you, I'll tell you an Open Sunday. He's effectively had two weekends off then, hasn't he? Well, so, yeah. What we can't ignore is the fact that, you know, over the, the time frame that the, open, the Scottish Open's been played on a Lynx course was in, what, 2011? Most, an uh, overwhelming majority of people who have won the following week's Open have played the Scottish Open the week before. So there's definitely something in that. It's it, there's, it, it can't just be a coincidence. But, for example, Zach Johnson didn't play the the Scottish Open and won the Open. Jordan Spieth didn't play the Open and won it in 17. Molinari as well, John Deere Classic. Molinari, yeah. So He'll have more time to warm up at Hoylake. He's probably there now. Yeah, it depends what but his then, priority is. Yeah, he's then said that before about Rory, you know, when he played Augusta. Was it last year or this year? He said, you know, I've played Augusta. He must have said he played about yeah. nine times. Didn't mean anything. You know, it doesn't work. Thanks for reminding me of that. Lovely. Lovely. Alex, Ricky Fowler. It's... <laughs> It's a name we've not really mentioned in major championship conversations, certainly this year. I'm not sure, Bryce, if we've ever mentioned him on a, a major preview podcast in the, in the time that we've been doing it as nope. as a person to watch. But things things are happening for Ricky, it would feel like. So obviously he won the Rocket Mortgage Classic, which was huge. First win in a very long time. He was second, tied second, with Sergio at Liverpool in 2014. So he's on form. He's had that near miss at the US Open as well last month when it looked great for 54 holes and then for the last 18 didn't. I hate the word. I hate the word trending, but he is very much <laughs> trending towards that first major win, is he not? Fowler is one of those players that everyone in this industry, whether you're a fan or in the media, has talked about him as an Open Championship winner. 
he he has from from right from the get go he had that game for Link's golf like we said before he's a flusher you're saying he's trending in the right direction he absolutely is you have to be in good form coming into the open championship yeah. you you that very rarely does an open champion come in having absolutely flogged it for the last few weeks and Fowler is hitting that at exactly the right time and i i think in terms of the players I am most excited about watching next week, I think Fowler is the one for me. Really? He just, there's something about him that excites me. When I, I interviewed him a few years ago in Miami, I was very fortunate to go over and have some time with him. And he was, I think I've told you this story before, but he was a bit grumpy because he had just come back off his honeymoon where he had contracted something that had made him incredibly poorly. And it was probably the worst time I could have interviewed him. And as soon as I started talking about the Open, his eyes just lit up. This guy loves the Open Championship. This guy loves the history of it. Same, you know, we talk about John Rahm at the Masters and how much he was talking about being a, a, a student of the history of the game. Ricky Fowler is, that's how he feels about the Open. I'm, I, I'm, I'm so, like, I'm, I'm genuinely, the way he, I mean, it helps that he's one of my favourite players and I know you're a big fan. Look, you tweeted the other day saying, this time in two weeks, Ricky Fowler's going to be a major champion or whatever it was and you were so proud of that you screen grabbed it and then put it on instagram I did, yeah. so <laughs> i'm not you know i'm not talking to people who are yeah you know, i'm not by saying that ricky fowler is absolutely 100 percent someone we should be thinking about that's not news like no one's sitting here with yeah. shocked faces he's going, playing the best golf of his career exactly he's well, playing the best yeah. golf of his career would you say better than 14 when he oh, yeah. finished I, in the top i think so I, he looks more in control and i tell you why because he's won and the, the other thing that makes me think Rory's going in with a bigger bounce than most other players. Is Ricky. That, right, sorry, Ricky. Ricky. What did, who did I say? Rory. Rory. Just showing where your head's at. No, sorry. <laughs> Ricky is that he won the Rocket Mortgage with a playoff. So I, I think that, you know, he gets shit for being a choker and not being able to close the deal. And he had all that stuff for the US Open. That I know he finished... He's, he played the 72nd hole and then walked straight into the playoff. Different if you're Morikawa and you're on the range, you had a different frame of mind. I get all that. But that put more pressure on Ricky Fowler to get the job done. And he had to beat Colin Morikawa. Colin Morikawa is a guy, two years ago, we were saying, this guy Can't miss. is unbelievable. Yeah, yeah very true. He is unbelievable. And Ricky had to then go and beat him. So I think the pressure on Ricky getting that job done at Rocket Mortgage was massive. Tick that box, one. Everyone knows he's absolutely playing the best golf of his life mm -hmm. and he's coming into an Open Championship at the absolutely perfect time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What about Cam Smith, Bryce? Defending champion. We, we, we can't not talk about him, but I guarantee both of you had slightly forgotten he was the defending Open champion. <laughs> I mean... He, I hadn't. Had you not? <laughs> well, that's a relief then. I'm glad I threw the question to you. But we only have to go back three minutes to the quiz to know <laughs> yeah, that we didn't. Exactly. To be fair, so he's he's coming into on we think good form. He's he's won in on, on live just a couple of weeks ago. For whatever that means, we don't really yet that, know what that means. I don't, I, I don't know what that means. But I, I tell you why I like Cam Smith for this week is because he told us in our US Open preview that by his own admission, he's poor off the tee. He's poor with driver in his hand. I don't think he's going to need to have driver in his hand a huge amount next week. It's going to be a lot of irons. He grew up playing sandbelt style golf. He's a really in, clever in player. And he's, you know, he's going to be 
He's uh, a ball striking he's a, machine. He's a great putter. He's, really he's probably the best player. putter. At an open championship links, you need to be a you need to adjust yourself to the golf course because it throws you different challenges that you don't get elsewhere. He's already proven <laughs> that yeah. he can do that. He's an open champion. I just uh, bringing the live form in. I, I don't understand that. I, I'm not slagging live. I just can't grasp the concept of music on the tee. It's not the same. It's just not the same vibe. But I do think Cam Smith seems the type of guy that doesn't actually care. I don't think he's that Makes bothered no that it's different. Him, it? And I think he'll be quietly confident that he's absolutely in the frame of mind to go and win it again. What are you laughing at? You just said there's no music on the tee. And in my head, I just got, as clear Flash as mob. day, I got, well, almost. That's what the R&A are going to do next week. <laughs> Martin's you stole my joke yeah. I, I for can, later. I can just... I could actually just now picture Ivor Robson back in the day standing behind his lectern, but <laughs> what you can't see is that he's got like twin new mark decks in front of them. <laughs> pulling out the vinyl. <laughs> on next on the Oh my god, where are we? Wow. Alex Jordan Spieth. So I'm giving you this one because there's no real reason to include Jordan Spieth in this discussion, apart from the fact that A, he's a former champion, B, he's incredibly streaky, so might show up next week, and C, he's one of your favourite human beings. Tell me why we should have any faith whatsoever in Jordan Spieth as uh, an open prospect. I mean, this guy, I talk about Ricky Fowler and someone who loves the Open Championship. Again, I'm going to just name drop. I went to Dallas to interview Jordan because I can call oh, him. I played Augusta because I can because I can call him Jordan. <laughs> you guys may refer to him as Mr. Speed. Mr. Speed. <laughs> uh, I, yeah, I was very fortunate to go to Dallas. I interviewed him and I said, "If it's okay, I'd like to ask you a couple of questions about the Open." And he said, "That is my favorite subject. It's my favorite thing to talk really? about." Really, and it was just. It was just mesmerizing, just listening to him talk so passionately about something that we are also so passionate about. So, I talked earlier about how how many emotions the the, the tournament stirs for me. To hear one of my favorite golfers and someone who lives a billion miles away, and you know, to hear them talking about how they would watch this tournament through the middle of the night mm. to be able to just experience it and then to come over and actually play in it. I mean, he hasn't missed a cut in this tournament for starters. Mm. He's got a ludicrous record in it. Of course, there's the famous go get that and <laughs> beating out Matt Kuchar, which I mean, imagine if Matt Kuchar had won that open, like how that would have been Stuart sink levels. <laughs> I think Yeah, He's, and he was an absolute star at that point. Spieth. Exactly. Yeah. He is streaky. I don't think that's a concern for this tournament. I mean, I was there behind the green, so on the, very late on the Saturday night at St. George's, and he missed a, ve a very makeable putt. I, I want to say it was five or six feet, pretty flat putt. And I remember just standing behind the green and thinking, that's his chance gone. He, you know, that would have taken... <laughs> No, I, I haven't checked the exact stats, but that would have taken him, I think, into a, a tie for the overnight lead. In the end, Morikawa just proved to be too good for him the next day. And Morikawa was a thoroughly deserving winner that year, let's not. But Spieth, if he had just... Uh, it, he went into that Sunday at St. George's and it just felt like that last part on Saturday was playing on his mind. And I think that's the biggest problem with him is I think he lets those tiny things get to him. 
And if he can just have a run this year where he's got generally got a clear head the whole way, and I think Hoylake will suit him. He's you know he's he's a, well, he's a good. I, I think you could put Spieth on any of the open water courses exactly. that would suit him. He's Why that, do you say he's, that? Because he's that type of adaptable player. He's he, he'll play anywhere, but he hasn't won this year. That's the only thing about Spieth. Just not maybe not quite get the confidence levels of somebody like Scheffler or Graham or Fowler. I think he's not quite there. So um, yeah, so I just to add to that, I think that he is. You're absolutely right. I I wouldn't put him in my favourites. I think in terms of who I think is going to win, I think I would probably have him outside the top five. Mm-hmm. But if he's holding that claret jug on Sunday night, I'm absolutely in no way surprised whatsoever. No. <laughs> yeah, good point. We're getting to that point, gentlemen. We need to make predictions. So before you give me who you think is going to win the 151st Open, tell me a name from each of you. Who is someone who is a bit of an outsider who could, for a lack of a better way of putting it, Louis Oosthuizen, this Open Championship? Who, who's, <laughs> who's that guy? So... I, I'm not sure. So the first name I thought of was Adam Scott. I'm not sure if he's quite far out enough. I mean, he is 66 to one. So I, he is 66 yeah, to one. Quite, Adam Scott. Jeez. Bearing in mind, he finished eighth at Hoy Lake in 06 and then fifth in 14. So he knows the golf course well. He's got a very good record here. So I was surprised to see him as far out as that. I'm going to go a bit further out with Minwoo Lee. And the reason being, this guy has burst onto the scene this year. He's become a massive fan favourite. He's in good form. He's absolutely loving life, which I think is important. We we sort of forget about how important that is yeah. in golf. And that and you know, and we talk about Cam Smith winning last year. Cam Smith was loving life. He still is. And that's why he didn't have a care in the world other than Rory. You talk about Rory McIlroy with all the pressure that's on him to win a major championship. And you wonder why Cam Smith breezed past him at St. Andrews last yeah. year. It's not a surprise at all when in, in hindsight. Uh, Minwoo Lee, uh, I remember there's this wonderful story during the rounds about him and his sister Minji used to play against each other. And the one rule was that Minwoo wasn't allowed to use his driver. This guy knows how to get around a golf course without using his driver, which, you know, we, we speak about Tiger winning in 06. He hit one driver all week. Mm-hmm. Well, Minwoo clearly did that, but was he any good at it? Was he beating <laughs> Minji? That's the bit that's missing. <laughs> he's he's going to be my long shot okay he has it miles as well so yeah. that's the thing he's hitting less into the greens than most other players he's getting a bit of an advantage he's de- um, minwoo is definitely getting some each way tickle from me this week oh nice each way tickle. Uh, my, my, my name's not that big but we haven't mentioned him yet brooks kepka what is he's uh, he's currently 16 to 1 six. with one particular bookmaker he's world number 12 is it don't know I do think Morikawa is 19th in the world. Yeah. Morikawa's world number 19. Not been that great, but it's probably in a little bit of form. Wouldn't surprise me. Flusher. Um, but I, after that, I'm not seen very much, to be quite honest. Morikawa will certainly benefit this year from not being the defending champion yeah. as well. Yeah, I mean, I very much like the look of Justin Rose, not just because he's our cover star for our open preview, because he gave me good vibes speaking to him. It's funny when you look at the last Englishman to win an Open in England, Tony Jacklin, 69. Last Englishman to win the US Open prior to Justin Rose winning it in 13 was Tony Jacklin in 1970. So there's a bit of synergy there. He says himself it's the one major that he he wants to win more than any other. It's the one tournament he wants to win more than any other. And he has form. I mean, you say Ricky Fowler's in the best form of his life. 
Justin Rose, at his age, allowing for a lot of factors, isn't far off playing his best golf at the mm. moment, I think. Mm. So he's won at Pebble Beach this year, which is mm. kind of a Lynx golf course. Kind of. <laughs> Careful now. Jesus Christ. <laughs> you're you're going to be one and done in this podcast if you're not careful. Also, the American like, <laughs> listeners have just gone. <laughs> also, like the look of somebody like Shane Lowry. Again, he's not ridiculously long odds. I think he's 30 to 1 or something at the moment, but former champion, ball striking machine. And then Tony Finau. Don't know. Every every major comes around and I think, is this going to be T-Money's week? But it just... Another week, is. another player not playing the Scottish though. Mm. Oh yeah, good point. Mm. Good point. So let's get to it then. Our predictions to win the Claret Jug and to be the next champion golfer of the year, winner of the gold medal and blah, blah, blah with a winning score of whatever. This isn't going to be podder of merit as you know it, ladies and gents, because as we speak, Bryce and I are in the throes of a very, very exciting denouement to the latest season of podder of merit. Denouement? what? That's the one. Uh, it's it's looking at this moment in time like I might just be sneaking it, but we're getting to the business end. So we won't muddy it by throwing in uh, an out of sequence open podder. Instead, let's do something a little bit different. Let's do something a, a bit benevolent, if you like. We each have to pick a name, and gents, we're each sticking £10. I'll give you the money if you need it. We're each sticking a tenner on it, and if the money comes up, I suggest we give it to a good cause. How's about that? Are you are you game for that? Game for it. Excellent. Okay. You can't really say no. Well, not now you can. Because <laughs> that would just be... Now you've said yeah. it's charity, you just can't say no. That's, no. Horrific, that's a horrific look. <laughs> so, fine. Who wants to go first with their prediction? I think I've already said it. I can't see. I, I've got. I've got a handful of players in my head. I can't see past Scotty Scheffler at the moment. I just can't see anyone else lifting that trophy on Sunday night. It's really like, even when you talk about the McRoys and the Fowlers and the way they're playing and the way that they, uh, the way that they're coming into this tournament. Scotty Scheffler, like I said, hasn't finished outside the top twelve this year. Two victories. He's tr- trending in the right direction <laughs> in terms of his open championship record. I said it already, put his name on the claret jug. Should we put a ban on the word trending? Like, should that be a one pound what, swear jug? What thing? should we use instead of it? Schmending. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So it's Scotty Scheffler for you, Alex. Bryce. Schmending. <laughs> Bryce, who are you picking to, to win? The open? So I am picking someone who's maybe not the best putter, but I think we've proven, your man's already proven that to be uh, the best doesn't necessarily have to be the best player in the world with a putter in your hands. He is 19th in strokes gained approach the green, which to stats boffins, that's a key metric. Uh, and 19th is respectable. Strokes gained totally, totally 13. He has massively improved his uh, short game. Last year he was like 99th in standards. He's now inside the top 30. That's a significant jump for anyone. And only three more players have won more money than him this year. Oh, can we get... He's a winner on the PG Tour this year. I think I've Now, been. Smith, Morikawa, Shane Lowry, Molinari, Spieth, had all won on the Tour before they'd won the Claret oh, Jug. Oh, good stats. Shane Lowry, to be fair, his win was on the DP, not PG Tour. He's a good age. Spieth was 24. Morikawa was 24. Cam Smith was 20 age. 28, sorry. My guy is 25. Three of the last five winners have been in their 20s of the Open. 
was tied fourth last year, 12th the year before. He was second at the PGA, and I'm going to be honest, he should have won the PGA. We didn't. We haven't mentioned him yet, have we? It, nope. He was top 20 at the, at the Masters. Sorry, he was seventh at the Masters. He was top 20 at the US Open. He's it. world number five. What about the fact that he, are we allowed to say choked at St. Andrews <laughs> last year? Potentially, yeah. You're allowed to say that. I'm all right with that, but he's still young. And I think the the winner this week or next week, whatever, will come from inside the world top 10, without a doubt. I would put my mortgage on that. You only need to put £10 on it, Bryce, it's fine. I know. I'm only going to put £10 on it, because these don't, days I can't afford the mortgage payments. Don't put your family under that kind of stress. <laughs> so, my man is, uh, I'm picking Victor Hovland. Fantastic. You've almost convinced me there. That is a very comprehensive, detailed, thought-out answer, and I yes. like it. I don't have that kind of detail. I've just got a gut instinct. It's fine. And Alex, as you rightly said, I, I, I said so on social media earlier this week, that this guy's going to be a major champion in a fortnight's time, and he, he absolutely will be. The winner of the Open Championship this year will be Ricky Fowler. I'm almost certain of it. I did swither a little bit. I thought, you know, Xander Schofley, another guy that we've not spoken about so far in this episode, and Patrick Cantley, you know, will their time come? Will it, I mean, it has to, you'd think, but no. For me, it's, it's Ricky Fowler. Too much form, too much good vibes. Yeah, just, it's happening. So, Ricky Fowler for me, Hovland for you, Bryce, and Alex, Scotty Scheffler. If any of those come up, then one charity is going to be getting a lot of cash. To finish up then, we'll do it. We always do. Honesty Box. We've said a lot of good things, a lot of, you know, nice things about the Open Championship, but it's not perfect. <laughs> it's not. There's no such thing as the perfect golf tournament, apart from one in the States in April. <laughs> oh, people have just turned off. I can hear you all switching off. So, this, the question's simple. What one change would you make to improve the Open Championship? Bryce, you can go first. Bigger stands. I think okay. the stands are too small. I'm hearing it's because they can make more money with people moving about. I'd like bigger stands. I've got three changes. Three changes? Yep. Wow. Sorry. Right, um, I want to go to Wales. I think Wales should get an Open Championship. I think that might be the first time anybody's said that. Those, those words, I want to go to Wales. Well, when they announced the Wales Open, uh, there goes Sorry, a sponsorship Wales. Sorry, by the Welsh Tourist Board. I would like to just point out here that Wales is a spectacular country. <laughs> it's just—it's glorious. He's it, talking about his neighbours, uh, apart from <laughs> apart from apart from Cardiff. <laughs> yeah, I would like them. I would genuinely like to see an Open in Wales. I think that's what the Open needs. Mm -hmm. I think Portrush was refreshing and exciting, and it was great for the tournament. And it needs to go to a new new audience. Uh, I want bigger stands. I look around the 18th at what they've got now, and it's just not that big. And I thought that with Morikawa, there's memory yeah. of your childhood memories were just massive stands. That I think that needs that. But I get why they don't. I just don't like it. And the biggest thing for me, as I said every year, too many people inside the ropes makes it look messy and cluttered, and I want that stopped. Augusta National is proof that you can stop it and the world will still continue to spin on its axis. Correct. Alex, what about you? Yeah, mine is a bit more in a broader sense, like with Bryce saying about going to Wales. And that is, I was, uh, I said earlier, you stole my joke. My joke was going to be flash mobs on the first <laughs> tee. So cheers for that. I wrote that joke earlier and I was like, oh my God, I'm so excited about that. And then, I can't think when I'm going to use that. And then you ruined it. I, mean, I ruined it. Um, 
Sorry. So yeah, I'm I'm looking at the broader picture and oh god. I don't even want to say it. I would take the open to St Andrews less than we already do. Like once every 5 years is too much. I would make it much more special. It's a, a, a St Andrews open should be the t- the top of the pile well, it is the top of the pile it's the one is if you're going to win an open championship to win an open championship at st andrews adds that extra element to it i would make that even more special even more rare i would add wales to the equation certainly I, i'm i think it's fair to say that porth call is probably the only golf course we can really put into mm. consideration for a wales open championship i would also and i've been beating this drum since i was a kid take it to royal north devon old tom morris's first English golf course. You haven't been there, so stop sniggering. It's a wonderful place. I'm not sniggering, he is. I know, I was looking at him when I said it. It's a wonderful golf course, wonderful part of the world. The Southwest should have an open championship. But no, my my serious point is though that if if you add up the times that... So we've got three wonderful golf courses in the Northwest of England, England's Golf Coast as we call it, which host the Open, so uh, Birkdale, Lytham and, and Liverpool. Though, if you add the times that those three golf courses have hosted the Open, it's about the same as St Andrews has hosted it. Mm-hmm. It's too many. It's becoming too familiar. And I think that just to stretch it out to maybe one set... So I would have it on every year that ends in zero, for example. I'd say, right, those are the St Andrews Opens. Let's so we bring, we bring an Englishman onto our podcast and he tells us we need to move from St Andrews? So how about... The it's s- noted, Bryce. The Scotsman it is saying we should noticed. go to Wales. Too much of a good thing, though. I do. Yeah, there might be something in that. Yeah, it was special last year, obviously, because it was 150th. But it was also two years out of sequence. It had been seven years since the last time. Did that make it more special? Well, it's hard to tell because of all the other festivities that were going on. But I'm not against it because actually, Bryce's idea of bringing in something like Porthcall, but to do that then you either have to get rid of somewhere, which isn't out of the equation, or you need to sacrifice St Andrews, getting it on, on, the, on the frequency that it is. So I'm not against it. I'm just a little bit surprised that you've you've thrown it in there, as Bryce says, when it's, you know, you're, you're let's be honest, you're, you're an interloper into our world. You know, mm. you're, you're an immigrant, essentially, in Scotland <laughs> today. So it feels like a bit of a two-footed tackle on... On yeah. us, I've called the ref. <laughs> I mean, look, I spoke at the top of this podcast about how I felt the first time I went to St Andrews, and I so think here comes that, the backpedal. Well, no, I think that everyone should have that experience. Now nah, you're right, and I think if you've got so, if you've got one every ten years, you're you're probably lucky to go to one St Andrews Open, maybe two in your lifetime. It's an interesting point, though. It's true, though. But the thing we've realised now is that there's not enough venues to mm. do the, what mm. everyone seems to want to happen. Mm-hmm. There's not; they don't have enough venues, which is quite interesting. And is that because of a rollback? Oh, I think I also think it's because of the size of the championship as well. It's outgrowing, sir. It is. Places, it's getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And to be honest, St Andrews is not the type of golf course that challenges those players. It's probably not in the RNA's interest to keep going back to St Andrews. The more they do, the more chance to get somebody shooting. Yeah. A number that starts with a five. Well, that was why we were so surprised in 15 when they cancelled all that play on the Saturday because you're thinking, well, hang on a second. You're all wanging on about yeah. being scared that St Andrews is being turned over by these guys and then you have yeah. a little bit of wind and they stop playing. Yeah, this yeah. is the thing. Like, you know, we, we My all, balls also we, We've been saying this for years that oh, eventually someone's going to shoot a number starting with five at St Andrews. No one's come close to yeah, doing yeah. that yet in an yeah. open. So 
I, I don't think we need to worry too much. Then we'll see that by the way, next week. It depends on the conditions. But listen, see if it happens. I know there will be lots of people chuntering and gnashing their teeth and going, well, this is just a sign that equipment's got out no, of hand. I think it's it'll be not, great. Who doesn't want to see somebody shoot 59 Absolutely on the biggest stage? For me, the change I would make, a bit like Bryce, I've got two. First one, stop going to Royal St. George's. It's too far away. For you. Um, for you. <laughs> Actually, it's too far away for me. <laughs> it's six hours for me. It's just in the middle of nowhere. Uh, the more serious one, though, I know this will upset certain people, I would have an upper age limit. I've said this before, an upper age limit on past champions. I just, I know that there are, rather I would reduce it because I know there is one, I think you get to 60, is it, or 55? 60, yeah. Yeah, and then you can't play any longer. <sighs> Tell me the last time out with Tom Watson, who didn't win it, that somebody in that age bracket made a meaningful contribution to the championship and that's always the example people say oh but tom watson yeah he's the exception see if it was happening more often yeah that's that's another discussion because you look at the qualifying criteria i this sounds disrespectful but there's too many players playing in the open that shouldn't be in the oh, open. of course yeah far too many and we're not talking three or four we are talking 15 20 guys yeah. that i'm sorry just shouldn't be there I know it's the open. Why should the guy that finishes third in the Joburg Open get into the open? I know. I don't. I think I that weird. Don't think that's right because that field is nowhere near the rest of yeah. that tier of golf. I don't get it. But they the should, seniors, you've got your own open, uh, your own open. You've got your own major. Go and play in that instead. And do you feel the same about Augusta? One hundred percent. Okay. Well, just checking because I wanted to have that argument. If you didn't. <laughs> It's I saw that coming. in the first Jesus. podcast. <laughs> well, gents, on that note, all that remains to be said is to you both. Hope you had a great week. Enjoy it. Work hard. Play hard, etc. I'm sure it's going to be a great one. And to all of you listening, enjoy. It is a very special week, isn't it? It's, it's the one we all look forward to. So enjoy every minute of the action. For the best coverage, they clearly come to the Bunkered website, bunkered.co.uk. We said it in the pod earlier this week, make sure you sign up to our newsletter. Again, you can do that on the website and you'll get a, a daily email ready in time for your breakfast to give you all of the latest updates from our team on the ground. We'll be doing these podcasts again. The Open Commute will be every single morning from Tuesday through to Sunday. So make sure you tune into that. Likewise, and obviously social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Insta Stories, bloody threads we're going to be all across <laughs> everything so you know where to come for the best of the action gents enjoy it thank you for your time much Pleasure. appreciated alex thank welcome thank you and thank you callaway for your continued support and to you for listening we'll be back well at royal liverpool with the first of the commutes so we'll see you then <laughs> until then ladies and gents bye bye for now